CIUTFM would like to thank everybody who made a contribution during our fall fundraising campaign. Your kind financial support keeps this community radio station alive on the FM dial and on the World Wide Web. If you haven't donated yet, we still need your help to reach our goal of $100,000. Donate now at www.ciut.fm and show your appreciation for unique, independent programming that cannot be heard anywhere else. From the roots up, CIUT 89.5 FM, Toronto. Don't nobody know my trouble but God. Don't nobody know my trouble but God. Ooh, Lord, ain't my trouble so hard. And welcome to a very live version of the Radical Reverend Show coming to you. And thank you all, by the way, um, for contributing uh, for our fundraising drive last week. But, you know, you can still donate. You just go to the homepage and hit that donate button of CIUT, www.ciut.fm, and uh, mention the Radical Reverend Show, uh, only show like it that I know of that uh, focuses on kind of uh, the progressive end of face, but also politics. And uh, probably the latter today, but a little bit of the former. Um, we have two guests on in the hour. First, Emma Wakelin, who uh, is a political strategist, campaign manager, and also one of those that holds it down on the left, left her leftist panel. And the second part of the show, we've got Reverend Junior Joplin, um, out trans minister who was fired for coming out and um, has uh, has found herself a new gig. And we're going to talk to, to Junior second half of the show. But first, Emma, welcome to the Radical Reverend Show. Thanks, Sherry. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm peachy. <laughs> So, um, Transia of Remembrance yesterday, and I went, as I always do, to Queen's Park, and as they always do, because it's the law, had a moment of silence. It wasn't right before question period, though, and I mean, this you would appreciate this, Emma, because you know what it's like to write policy, but um, I thought, oh, we... we probably made a mistake because the whole idea was that we wanted as many people in the room as possible to have to stand, which is right before question period. But they've shifted things around at Queen's Park now. So they have like member statements that run over that 1030 mark. And I noticed the speaker got up and said, well, it's 1029. We have to have the moment of silence now. But there were still a lot of people missing because it wasn't really question period. So, well, well. anyway, um, yeah. um, it, it's a lesson to anybody writing policy. Be very, very careful in how you write the policy because uh, it can be manipulated. Well, and it should be an example to political staffers that no one pays attention to member statements. Absolutely. I mean, that's for sure true. Um, anyway, the good news, um, if there was some in this world today, um, uh, where trans rights are concerned, is that uh, uh, Michael Ford, of all people, uh, nephew to the Premier, got up to speak to a question asked by Kristen Wong Tam about uh, trans health care and went on and on, clearly written for him, about uh, how he's working with the 519, his office is open, that no one should be, um, you know, hurt or maligned or lose a job, of course, because they're trans, and went on and on and on, and then got a standing ovation from the conservative side of the House, um, which I thought was kind of at least a little bit hopeful. I don't know. I thought, and then they came out, of course, and spoke at the flag raising and, and, you know, had a prepared speech as well. That was, you know, fine. Um, I mean, we know that this is, you know, this is not who they are federally. And I want to get into that with you. But um, I at least thought, oh, well, we're, we're spared the advent of fascism in in Ontario for a little while longer. Um, I mean, any thoughts about that? I, you know, I, Believe it or not, I do know some conservatives in my life, and uh, they're not all bad people. <laughs> um, and, and I've even had a, an opportunity to speak to the Premier, and I know that he, in his heart, doesn't have hatred towards trans people. I think what, for a lot of uh, folks in conservative political movements, is, is that the, the 
the anti-trans sentiment or the uh, or the, the attacks against trans people is a political tool um, that is being um, more and more used by those uh, behind the scenes and political strategists um, and of course uh, leaders such as Polyev who who think it's a way to win seats and I think what the difference between maybe the United States and Canada is that there's a bit more pushback here and some of the political folks, um, provincially at least here in Ontario, are seeing that uh, they're not getting the traction that they had hoped to and they're getting a little bit of pushback and uh, given the trouble that they're in uh, provincially and other areas politically, they're not willing to to add on to that more. So if, if that is a, an optimistic sign, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a glimmer of hope. But the, the reality is, in, in North America over the last year, there's been over 800 pieces of legislation tabled that try to limit the rights of trans people and attack trans youth. Uh, and more and more um, conservative politicians in Canada are getting involved. They do it um, certainly federally, as we saw with Pierre Polyev. So we need to, we need not only to do the trans community need to push back, but we need our allies too as well. If you consider yourself to be progressive and an ally of the uh, 2SLGBTQ+, the community, you need to speak up. You need to stand up and say, this isn't right. Um, if it's just trans folks uh, standing up and saying this, uh, we're easily ignored, ridiculed, and pushed aside, sometimes violently and sometimes fatally. So we need our allies to stand up and, and take action. Uh, speaking to Emma Wakelin here, um, the day after Trans Day of Remembrance on uh Really, uh, and you're right, there has been a rise. I mean, uh, uh, I heard your number, and shocking, I had over 600 but uh, pieces of legislation in the U.S., and I know that at least 85 laws have actually been passed. There's, I remember seeing a map of the U.S. states, and there was only a handful of states where bills were not in progress that were anti-trans and targeting trans. But lest we think we're all that much better here, uh, we do have two provinces that are outing trans kids now. Um, And, uh, uh, you know, under the umbrella of parental rights, uh, there was a really good speaker from PFLAG, just have to say at the flag raising yesterday, who, a mum um, with a trans, uh, one trans child, one uh, one LGBTQ child and one straight child, the boring one, she said. <laughs> um, but she, she talked about uh, how, you know, um, I'm a parent too, and these are my children, and they go to the same schools, and I want them safe. And it was, it was really, really profoundly moving because, um, and I try to explain this to straight people so they understand. But I always say, like, imagine if your, if your high school teacher, you know, phoned your parents and told your parents about your sexual activities, you know, um, or anything personal about your sexual life. Uh, I mean, this would be this would strike horror in the hearts of anybody who cares about civil liberties, but somehow we're not getting the same kind of outrage about outing trans children, which we know in a sense is far more dangerous because uh, highest rate of suicide, right? Well, we part of that is couching it in the language of parental rights, um, which uh, which is insidious of itself. But the, the conservatives are smart in that they, they know that there's catchphrases and and ways that tug at people's hearts that that can they can hide their hateful messages behind and saying that it's about parental rights makes uh, a moderate feel that oh well this isn't about trans issue this is about protecting uh, parental rights which it's it's not uh, the one glimmer of hope I'll, I'll give out there is that uh, in Ohio just a couple of weeks ago there was the um, referendum to put protecting women's re- uh, reproductive rights into their con- state constitution. And the, the, the anti-reproduction rights folks um, tried to turn it into a parental rights thing. And even on their signs, it was, um, you know, protect your parental rights. And they lost, and they lost badly, uh, thank goodness. So um, it's an example that um, those, those allies who were fighting for, for reproductive rights, um, they didn't try to pivot and, and, and distance themselves from, from the, the anti-trans language. They, they leaned into it and they fought against it. That's the way we're going to fight against it here in Canada, and that's the way we're going to win, just like they did in Ohio, uh, which is a conservative red-blood state. And if they can win there, we can win in Ontario, we can win in New Brunswick, we can win all across Canada. 
Hopefully. Um, speaking here on the Radical Reverend Show, if you're just tuning in, your host, Sherry DeNovo. And uh, and again, a reminder, you can still keep donating to the show uh, if you like what we cover. And we're pretty unique on the dial. Um, just go to www.cut.fm and hit donate. Um, the more you hit it, the better and happier we all are at the station because it does take some money to keep us going. Um, speaking to Emma Wakelin a day after Trans Day of Remembrance, which uh, began in 1999 over the death of a trans woman. And in 2017, I was honoured to be um, the initiator of the bill to demand a moment of silence in the legislature. I think I haven't heard of anybody else doing this. Um, Really handy thing to do. Um, And uh, if you are in another province and listening or in a state and listening, and um, um, this is something, um, it's a very little thing, but it makes a big difference, especially when you see people right across the political spectrum um, standing up for that moment of silence, because always... Sadly, always hundreds of deaths. Um, uh, uh, moving on, though, um, Emma, Polyev um, recently, I call it the rant in Richmond Hill, um, set, talked, started ranting, apparently. I wasn't there, but I saw the clip uh, on social media about radical, quotes and quotes, radical gender ideology, unquote, Uh, talking about Trudeau. And of course, this is a swipe at uh, trans and queer rights, non-binary and gender non-conforming rights, um, and was roundly applauded by the people in the room, which was equally concerning. One of those people, who is the deputy mayor of Richmond Hill, actually later apologized for that because there was such an uproar on, um, on social media. And uh, and then that prompted, finally, some mainstream media coverage. Uh, CBC apparently reached out to Poiliev uh, to say, what exactly did she mean by that, and got no response. I mean, this is dog whistle politics at its worst, but it shows something about uh, who's running and who may be the next prime minister. What do you think, Emma? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a shame. It's Polyev is uh, and his team are very shrewd. They know that um, there's a growing um, tide turning against uh, the, liberal, the governing Liberal Party, and a majority of that is are, are folks who are just they can't afford to live. The, the price of everything is going up, and, and it seems the federal Liberals have surrendered the the cost of living narrative to the Conservatives. But those folks who are just casual voters. They don't donate. They don't. Um, they don't knock on doors. They don't, you know, keep the the lights on uh, in local campaign offices. It's the it's the, the extremists in the party that do that, and or the I should say in other parties the most <laughs> the most fervent believers. So with but with Polyev, extremist is the right term because they he is um, appealing to folks who are anti science, anti human rights that don't that aren't theirs. Uh, anti-women's rights, anti-reproductive rights, and anti-trans. And he needs to give them the, that red meat hatred. Those are the folks that show up to his rallies. It's not just average voters. It's, 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 the, it's the rabid conservatives who, who want to turn the, the clock back 50 years, or even longer, I should say. So that's who he, he needs to rile that fan base up and make sure that they, they come out and, and knock on doors and, and donate. And that's why he's doing it. And, and the anti-trans sentiment is a very popular thing in in Republican and conservative circles these days. I mean, it's more than distressing, quite frankly, um, to hear it's that terrifying. kind of red- rhetoric. I mean, this is really the worst of Republicans north, in a sense. Um, and we do know that some of the same money is funding them. The Conservative Party federally has more money than all the other parties put together. Um, and uh, it's not all Canadian money. So we know that this is part of a worldwide movement, really, Um just uh, Democracy Now! The show that preceded this was talking about what's happened in Argentina. They've just elected their version of Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> and uh, so this is not just here, but uh, um, but but certainly it, it seems really counter to everything we used to kind of sort of pride ourselves on as Canadian. Um, here's, here's hoping. Um, speaking of Donald Trump, though, um, just saw another disconcerting poll down there that he was leading in all the swing states. Um, and the man is headed for prison, but doesn't seem to make any difference. Um, and, and again, um, 
uh, part of the problem is uh, in both of our countries is the 18 to 43 year olds, which we used to think was a progressive demogra- demographic, you know, uh, it seems to be, you know, lining up behind Polyev and same south of the border in many instances. Um, any thoughts about that? Like what happened to the youth are more progressive than their elders? Well, the youth of today are seeing that the future is, is more uncertain than it ever has been, or or I should say at least it has been in, in many decades. They This is the first generation in, in recent memory that will be worse off than their parents' generation. So when you have uh, disaffected young people, this anyone really who has nothing to lose or no future, it doesn't take very uh, much to radicalize them and uh, make them turn against people. Uh, hatred and resentment are the easiest emotions to manipulate, uh, both you know, in your personal life and politically. And uh, the conservatives, the, the right-wingers who want to stay in power forever, they, they know how to, to manipulate that very, very well. And Listen, this is the last bastion, folks. If, if, Don, if Donald Trump wins this election, it will, it'll be the last U.S. election. Uh, mark my words on that. And the, the conservatives are not dumb up here. They, they see what works well down south, and they adopt strategies very quickly up here. So uh, there, there's no place to hide. If you are a progressive um, or if you are just a centrist, you need to to stand up against this, and you need to stand up against it now. There is no, you're not going to ever find a, a perfect progressive candidate. Uh, there's, and in the U.S., Biden's the guy. There's not going to be a third choice for you if you want to uh, fight against Donald Trump. You have one choice, and uh, you're going to have to you take your lump of sugar and, and just like a vaccine, take it and, and make sure that this hatred doesn't spread. Yeah, I mean, this is this is part of the problem. I mean, I, I always say that, uh, and by the way, you're listening to the Radical Reverend Show here, um, one day after Trans Day of Remembrance with one of our our panel uh, uh, A-team, uh, Emma Wakelin, um, who's a political strategist and uh, had always been an advocate uh, for 2SLGBTQ plus um, folk, um, talking about where that whole... Uh, that whole struggle is, and it, it it's not looking like we're we're looking one step back instead of a foot step forward right yeah. now. Um, I was in London, Ontario, on Saturday night uh, speaking at another Trans Day of Remembrance um, event, and um, it was interesting because uh, several of the clergy that were there from the London area were American, and um, two of them, a gay man and his husband. Uh, who was, in, interestingly enough, a D.C. cop from Washington, um, said that January 6th, that was, the, you know, when the, when the, the kind of ridiculous attempt at uh, whatever it was um, to overthrow the American coup, that's right, uh, happened. Um, and as, a, as a, a police officer in Washington said, I've had it, we're out of here. Uh, and his husband, um, who United uh, Church of Christ minister, said, yeah, we're out of here. This country no longer is safe for us, has come across the border. And now I'm hearing, um, and certainly there is a move to look at possible refugee status for trans and non-binary folk escaping from a number of states. Um, I don't know if this will go anywhere, but but it has been expressed um, as to how bad things could conceivably be or get down there under, under Trump. Um, is this uh, paranoia, or what do you think? Well, I, I will say, no, it's not paranoia. There are I, I have friends that live in the U.S. that in 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 the worst states, Florida, who who have had to leave um, to to just be able to continue to live. Uh, yes, we should be looking at refugee status, but the, at the end of the day, um, we're not far behind the U.S. And there, again, there is no safe space against um, the rising tides of fascism. We have to take a stand, and we have to take a stand now, and we have to. To make sure that they don't win, they they Donald Trump cannot win in the United States, and and you know if 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 we want to look at historical um, uh, analogies, uh, we are Austria in 1936. So if the U.S. falls, we will fall within a couple of years. We're just it, it's the old Trudeau saying that you know if the elephant sneezes, the mouse gets crushed, or <laughs> I might be paraphrasing that. So we we. We are not going to be able to stand the tide uh, by ourselves here. We need 
need everyone south of the border to to, to mobilize as well. We we are in a desperate fight for our lives, and it's not just trans people, although we are, are going to be the first um, uh, to go. But yeah, it, it's a it's a dire thing right now. We have to progressives and, and, and moderates. We have to keep our eye on the ball. We cannot let ourselves get distracted. We cannot let ourselves uh, fall into infighting. We have to take a stand against this rising tide of hatred. Uh, speaking to Emma Wakelin here with Day After Trans Day of Remembrance on the Radical Reverend Show, uh, you're so right. Uh, and this is a historical fact that maybe many do not know, but uh, history does in fact repeat itself. 1930s in Berlin. Berlin was one of the centers of queer um, liberation, really, throughout Europe. There was a sex reassignment institute there in the in the 20s and 30s. There were multiple um, queer clubs uh, that were active. And um, and sadly, they also had identification cards. Um, they called them the pink papers for um, some, especially trans and non-binary folk. Uh, and they were the first, uh, along with those with disabilities, that the Nazis targeted when they started taking over. So, you know, that's where they started, and that seems to be where they're starting now. Um, and I wanted to pick up on something else you said, Emma, um, and that is we're not that different, and we're not. I mean, anybody on social media... I was just saying to our our, our tech crew here that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll look at some of the haters on, on social media just before I block them and think, are they from Texas? Are they from Florida? No. Oh, my goodness. They're from Toronto. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're around the corner or somewhere. Um, this is this is very concerning. I think um, this is something that's certainly catching hold in some of our rural areas, but it's not just rural anymore. And um, and we know that uh, hate crimes have gone up, but we also know that anti-trans crime has gone up as well. Um, and then that reflects itself in the demonstrations that we've seen. It reflects itself in legislation that we've seen. Um, so far, so good in Ontario. I think Lecce toyed with the idea there for our a nanosecond and then dropped it. So again, I was very pleased yesterday to see that uh, it doesn't look like the Ontario Conservatives are going down that uh, rabbit hole anytime soon. Um, but again, vig- vigilance is in order. Um, we just have a few minutes left that I want to talk to you. And of course, um, there's a Liberal campaign on um, election coming up for the new Liberal leader of the Ontario Liberal Party. Um, predictions? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to get through this. Like <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, my prediction is, uh, I don't know, to be honest. There, um, the Nathaniel Erskine-Smith and, and Jan Sernakvi kind of teaming up and joining mm-hmm. forces kind of threw a curveball into the, to the mix. So um, that'll be a very uh, uh, strong team for, for anyone else to kind of defeat. But... Um, from what I'm seeing out on the street, Bonnie Crombie has, I don't know if she's going to win on the first ballot, but she'll, she'll place very close. Uh, my prediction would be mid-40s, uh, maybe even high-40s on the first ballot, and that'll be a very difficult thing for, for um, the others to combat, and I think uh, it'll come down to where the voters from Ted Shue align. Um, so my if I were to put money down, um, and of course I wouldn't because that would be illegal, uh, I'd probably put my money on Bonnie Crombie winning the next leadership. But again, uh, I, I probably don't want to put money down on that. So. Yeah, well, I have a, a, a gentlewoman's bet um, with John. John Fraser came up and hung out with me when I was sitting in the... They've changed all the galleries at Queen's Park, by the way. Members' galleries, now the speakers' gallery. Speakers' galleries, now the members' gallery. But anyway, I, I was sitting there, and uh, John Fraser came up and sat and chatted, and uh, I said, I think it's going to be Bonnie Crombie on the first ballot. Um, but I have to say, this is a word to the NDP-wise, um, that the rank ballot kind of system and the one-member, one-vote is a good thing. Um, we still have a delegated... Um, situation, and I don't think that's as democratic, but just me. Um, Anyway, it'll be very interesting to see what plays out. And then she's got to run for seat, right? What does that look like? Well, I think, um, you know, her last election, uh, re-election as as mayor, she won with over 75 or 74 percent of the vote. She's very, very popular in Mississauga. I don't think she'll have an issue winning a seat. 
Uh, I can't see. I think the Conservatives hold all the seats in Mississauga. I might be wrong on that. So I, I don't see any of them stepping down for her. Um, but uh, she's of high enough profile that probably won't matter. Um, but she she won't have trouble uh, winning a seat in Mississauga. And I think the reason the Conservatives are are afraid of her, and again, I'm not endorsing Bonnie Crombie on this call, but one of, one of the things they're afraid of is that she will pick up a lot of support in Peel Region. So if she does win, um, the leadership, I don't think it will be uh, an issue for her to, to win a seat in, in Mississauga. I think we'll see uh, at Queen's Park, I think we'll see what, you know, Mike Schreiner lived through for many, many, many years before he got elected, which is sitting in the, sitting in the bleachers uh, um, and then coming down for, for yeah. press. Um, uh, but, I mean, she won't, if she wins, will she have to give up her mayoralty? I mean, how does that look? I would, yeah, I would, I would think so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I haven't read the legislation, but I believe that she, she would probably have to step down as mayor. Yeah, which will be interesting, too, to see then who steps in there. Um, oh, anyway, that would be a whole new nightmare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking to Emma here, we, we did a divergence there. We, you know, polit- politicos can't help ourselves. Um, but um, uh, really, primarily, we're talking about uh, life for trans and queer folk out there and, um, and, the, and, and the, changing, uh, the changing world in which we all live. Uh, and have to have our being. So, so Emma, I just want to thank you so, so much for being on the show as per usual. We'll hopefully welcome you back um, uh, next month for our, our, our uh, Left, Left or Leftist panel, and uh, which is, by the way, out there in listener land, always the first Tuesday of the month on the Radical Reverend Show. And again, just a final reminder that even though the fundraising time is over, um, it's not really... <laughs> Um, so you can still go to the website and please do anything is welcome. Um, you know, little bits help and it's just donate and, uh, and you get, I think, I don't know, um, if you get an instant tax receipt, I shouldn't change feet in my mouth and say that, but, uh, without a doubt, you will get a tax receipt at some point and, um, uh, it's a registered charity. So please contribute to the kind of radio that you're never going to hear on mainstream. Thanks, Emma. We're going to take a bit of a musical break, and then we're going to be back um, with uh, Reverend Junior Joplin. Take care.
And welcome back to the Radical Reverend Show. That was Sophie, a trans artist who really was one of the instigators behind hyperpop. You know, who knew? Um, We learn something new here on the Radical Reverend Show every week. Um, And I just want to thank Emma again for being on the show, Emma Wakelin. And now I'm absolutely honored and delighted to have Reverend Junia Joplin on. Junia, welcome to the Radical Reverend Show. Uh, thanks so much for having me back. It's great to be here. So um, so we're talking about Trans Day of Remembrance a little bit, but also just generally about what's going on in the world where trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming folk um, reside. And, um, and and maybe just tell us, you know, kind of, and it's a long story, but tell us the abbreviated bit of the story about you in case there's people out there in listener land that uh, haven't heard your story. <laughs> sure. Um yeah, well, I, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You go oh, ahead. Okay, yeah. sorry. I've, um, well, I, um, you know, I grew up in the States and uh, went to seminary and started doing um, ministry in the States in the Baptist tradition. Um, and uh, sometime around um, 2014, I moved to Mississauga to serve a church there. And... Um, my, I have two kids. I'm a proud hockey mom, and uh, I was the I was the manager of one of my one of my son's uh, hockey teams. And um, thanks to the work of a um, a young trans man who had been playing uh, youth hockey in Oshawa, um, who had sued the Ontario Hockey Federation and um, because he was being discriminated against in his league, um, adult volunteers who were working with kids in Ontario had to go through a, a seminar on l- understanding gender and gender identity and how kids can be discriminated against on the basis of their gender identity. And so I took this seminar and it, it explained things to me that I'd never been explained to. And so um, by the end of that hockey season, me working as manager, I had, I had become, I had come to accept that I wasn't a cisgender man and, um, I started working towards transition, and that was in 2018. I was the pastor of a church, like I said, in Mississauga, and I knew that my coming out was going to be a, a big thing, a bit of a bombshell, whether I was accepted or not. Um, and, you know, I started working towards that and thinking about when I could do that in such a way as to not, you know, throw the church into too much of a, a tailspin. And uh, I landed on um, June of 2020 as my coming out date. Um, COVID sort of threw a monkey wrench into all that, but I came out um, on YouTube uh, on a service that was being live streamed during a sermon on uh, June the 14th, 2020. And uh, that was a, (laughs) it was a crazy uh, experience. I spent the next five weeks or so um, answering questions from the congregation, having a lot of different uh, really carefully curated question and answer periods, and then on uh, later in July they voted to, to terminate me from working there, and it was a really close vote, 58 to 53. Um, and and by that time my story had really made the news, and um, I, I I figured that my visibility could help people, so I talked to media like all around the world. Um, I was on your show. Uh, I talked to the New York Times. I talked to BBC. I was in Brazilian Vogue, which I think is pretty wild. Um, and uh, then I started preaching uh, via Zoom at, uh, to congregations all over North America and all over the world. So I was out of work for about 30 Sundays. I preached at about 50 churches. Um, and, and then I started working at uh, the Metropolitan Community Church of Toronto. And I've been serving as their associate pastor for about two and a half years. So... Uh, when I came out, I was pretty sure I'd never work again, but uh, I've, I've landed in a really wonderful place, and uh, I love the work I'm able to do there and the stuff I'm still able to do in the community. Speak- I think that's it in a nutshell. That is that is quite the nutshell. Um, Reverend <laughs> Junior Joplin uh, here on the Radical Reverend Show, your host, Sherry DeNovo, and I remember so well that service when you came out, Junior, because I think all of our congregation were watching your service. 
<laughs> that that yeah. day uh, um, and kind of silently, you know, you were on Zoom, but cheering you on and your future on. And uh, I mean, you're just such a rock star now. It's amazing. So um, and and again, like a, it's it's such a positive, upbeat story. But, you know, still you were there yesterday with uh, a number of us to witness the the moment of silence in the house and then the flag raising for Trans Day of Remembrance. And I I was saying earlier in the hour that um, one of the positive notes to me was the conservative response, actually, um, was that they stood up and uh, very clearly came out, at least in the house, in support of trans rights. And uh, that has not been quite the experience federally in the Conservative Party. So um, so that was positive and hopeful, uh, and spoke at the flag raising as well. Do you, I mean, any, any takeaways from that experience for you? Well, you know, I'm, I'm in an interesting position. I'm still an American citizen, a permanent resident here in Canada. So, um, I don't vote where I live. Uh, I'm a, I'm a Virginia voter. Uh, so I vote in the state of Virginia and sometimes it makes it hard to understand or get really engaged in the politics here in Ontario, but my takeaway from yesterday um, is that when folks, when folks get to know trans people in person and see that we are flesh and blood, that we mostly just want to live normal and unremarkable lives, you know, uh, for what that's worth, it, it makes us a lot less of the like specter or the phantom or the public enemy that I think we can become when we're just this hypothetical issue debated on the floors of state houses and in provincial capitals and even federal capitals. And so, you know, when you meet someone who maybe has had some prejudice about trans people and they get to know you face to face and they, then they see that you're a human being, that you're a, you know, especially with trans kids who are just trying to live their lives. I think it takes some of the edge off. Because we're not, we're not, a, you know, we're not an issue. We're we're people, and, uh, I, and that's why I think our visibility matters. Sometimes the visibility takes a toll on us, but um, it's always important for folks to see that there is a human side to these questions that they're asking one another, and these bills they're trying to pass, and these statements they're making. Like we are real flesh and blood folks, and. Uh, I hope that most people, no matter what their political affiliation, have at least enough compassion in their heart to see, you know, these are real people and our words and our legislation and our convictions have consequences in their lives. Speaking here to uh, Reverend Junior Joplin on the Radical Reverend Show a day after Trans Day of Remembrance, speaking about uh, to us LGBTQ plus rights um, generally, but in particular trans and queer rights. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, I do apologize out there in listener land where we are having a bit of technical difficulties. So if, if, uh, Reverend Junior sounds like she's speaking from down a tunnel, <laughs> that's why it's not you, it's us. Um, hopefully we'll be rectified by next week. So, um, hang in there. Um, the, the Ontario conservatives came out and, you know, look good. Uh, yesterday. Um, not so much, sadly, um, Mr. Polyev, and I spoke to uh, Emma Wakelin, our first guest about this, but who was taped say talking about, uh, quotes, unquote, gender, radical gender ideology um, to applause in Richmond Hill, just north of Toronto. And, uh, and later, because of the, you know, explosion that that caused on social media, not so much in the mainstream media, which didn't really pick up on it. Um, the, the, the deputy mayor up there apologized for, for clapping when he, he had this tirade. Um, but uh, CBC then tried to uh, approach him and say, what did you mean by that? He would not respond. So, um, and I'm, I'm very, very aware, um, as I'm sure you are, of, you know, uh, uh, over, now over 600 pieces of legislation and various degrees of passing bills in the in the United States in all but a handful of states that are targeting trans folk. And last I checked, there were 85 laws that had been actually uh-huh. passed um, south of the border. And of course, we're not obliv- you know we're not uh, immune to this uh, north of the border. We have now two provinces where it's 
um, where educators uh, are encouraged to out trans children to their parents um, under the general umbrella of parental rights. And we heard that wonderful mother speaking at the flag raising about uh, the fact that, you know, I've got parental rights too, and I want my my parental rights, I want to keep my children safe, you know. Um, But but this is... uh, this is definitely a kind of movement from the right. Um, thoughts about that? Well, again, I, I think folks have this idea when they think about trans people that we somehow represent this, you know, existential evil in the world. And and I know a lot of religious leaders and a lot of political leaders have described just the idea that your gender might not match the sex you were assigned at birth as this threat to the very order of creation, which is a lot of power to put in our hands. I don't think, I know a lot of trans people, you do too, Sherry, you know that we're not, we're not threatening to undo the order of creation. Uh, We're just people that want to live our lives. Um, I was in South Carolina on a family vacation and I was in a grocery store and I was pushing my buggy one way and there was this gentleman pushing his buggy the other way, and he was wearing one of those notorious red Make America Great Again hats. And I got really anxious as he passed by me, but he just smiled and said, how are you doing today, miss? And I said, oh, I'm doing fine. How are you? And he said, I'm doing fine. And there on that very personal level, here this man had an interaction with you know a woman he likely didn't even realize was trans, and I wasn't that. I wasn't that public enemy. I wasn't that big evil. I wasn't that threat to the order of creation. I was just, uh, you know, a tall woman shopping for groceries. And so I think, I don't know, folks just don't understand that so many of us don't transition to, to enlist in a culture war or to step into the front lines of this, you know, fight for the, you know, the fabric of, of existence. We just want to live our lives. I can't tell you how many trans people just want to be unremarkable, kind of invisible. Just, you know, I always say to people, I just want to take my kids to hockey and shop for shoes. I'm not an activist. I'm not any kind of public figure wannabe. I I just want to live my life. And, you know, any of us that have even the smallest platform get thrust into the spotlight, whether we like it or not. And then we kind of feel duty bound to be these public figures because there is there are so many threats. And uh, I hope yeah. that that visibility uh, can change a few hearts and minds because I think it's the most powerful thing. Uh, when, when people do see that, you know, the trans person that you think you want to get rid of might be your neighbor, might be sitting in a pew next to you at church, might be standing in line next to you at the grocery store. Um, there's nothing inherently threatening about who we are and the fact that we just want to live um, lives that aren't hindered or hurt or hampered. We just want to be ourselves and be happy. Uh, speaking to Reverend Junior Joplin from MCC Church uh, here on the Radical Reverend Show um, the day after Trans Day of Remembrance, um, which we mourn the passing of so many. Um, one of the disconcerting things that's uh, happening coming out of that same movement is this attempt to divide our community, quite frankly. Um, you know, the LBs against everybody else kind of thing. Um, one organization that's been targeting elected officials throughout Ontario, for example, gays against groomers, that kind of thing. Um, this is uh, also disconcerting. I mean, won't ask you, Junior, to comment on that, but simply to say that um, it's really important. I mean, I and I, I hope you agree with me on this that allyship now is important, more important than ever. Um, that is to say that if you are straight, cis, gendered, um, or if you're part of the 2SLGBTQ plus community, but not trans or not obviously trans, if you're passing um, and you hear something anti-trans, speak up, do something. Um, there was an instance just, and I'm sure you hear a lot of this in your church, but in our church, uh, a congregant said that um, her local pizza place, it's a franchise, but her local pizza pra- place, every time she goes in there, um, the washroom is always out of service just for her. 
uh, not for anybody else. They will not let her use the woman's washroom, um, mm. uh, even though she identifies as she, her. And this is part of a franchise. And I said, I said, well, you know, and, and this is against the law. It is against her laws, her human rights laws in this province. But again, if nobody speaks up, nothing changes. And, and it shouldn't be on her. And I said, she said, I, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to make an enemy out of my local pizza place kind of thing. And I said, well, let, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be the bitch. <laughs> you know, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll call them up and I'll call up the head office too and let them know what's happening in that particular franchise um, holders. But I mean, these are the kinds of things that we can all do, right? I mean, any other suggestions of ways we can be supportive? Well, I think that's a great one. Um, I can speak for myself and probably for a number of my trans uh, siblings that having to having to fight just for your um, just to be able to exist in the world can be really exhausting. Um, it, it can hurt your mind. It can hurt your body. It can hurt your soul. And it does mean a lot when there are people who will step up for us, people who will, will hear us. Um, you know, sometimes I think, uh, especially, you know, when you hear folks who have experienced transphobia in, in maybe other places or whose life experience, whose lived experience isn't yours, it's easy maybe sometimes to say, well, you know, you're being a little alarmist. It can't be as bad as you say it is. I've even done that, you know, when I've heard, uh, you know, trans, trans women from the States, for example, talk about what's going on there and how bad it could get. It's easy to say, oh, well, you know, it's not going to be that bad forever. But often it's, it, you know, the things that they see happening um, do end up coming to fruition, sadly. So, you know, cis allies are, are always needed. Um, and, and so, yeah, speaking up for us, um, get to know trans people. Um, I, I think that those personal relationships have a great way of um, helping us come to a better understanding, uh, helping us uh, love and care for one another. Um, anytime we can take that, that anytime we can take something out of the realm of hypothetical or theoretical and see folks as not issues, but people, I think that that love and that interpersonal care has a lot of potential to change things. Uh, couldn't agree more. Um, thank you so much. I've been speaking to Reverend Junia Joplin, um, who is now in ministry at Metropolitan Community Church, um, as you heard, came out uh, and lost her job because of coming out, uh, not unusual circumstance for many trans and non-binary folk. Um, I also apologize again out there in listener land for the, the quality of our phone calls. We will uh, address this by next time. Um, and uh, and just that, a segue into saying that our fundraiser uh, is still ongoing. If if you just go to www.cit.fm and donate, we're really the only show, the Radical Reverend Show, we've been on for over 20 years on the station, um, www.cit.fm. Um, and we've dealt with really the interstices of progression politically and faith, of all faiths, um, not, not just Christian faiths. Um, just uh, on that note, too, keep in mind, um, save uh, some dates. We are, we're just uh, kind of getting the date together for the second Transformations Conference, which will be taking place in during Pride Month, a day of of all trans and non-binary spiritualities, not just Christian, um, official Pride events. So keep, keep your eyes open for that. But meanwhile, meanwhile, really, really important. We have seen in this city, in this province, demonstrations, presumably for parental rights, um, and yet they're really not. Um, they are for taking away the rights of our trans children who are at highest risk of suicide. I can't say that too much. It's true. And um, I try to explain this, and I said this in the first half of, of the show, um, to straight people by saying, what if your teacher phoned your parents and talked about your sexual activity? Um, clearly a violation of your privacy for one, but also um, absolutely antithetical to any sorts of human rights for, for children and young people. So this is not about parental rights. This is about outing trans children. If if the parents were supportive, they'd already know. Um, and so... 
basically this is uh, going to add to the violence of uh, growing up trans, which is not ever um, something that we should be heading for. So keep that in mind. Um, other other uh, aspects of what you can do as an ally out there in the, in the shadow of the Trans Day of Remembrance, um, as we know that violence is increasing because of the rhetoric uh, against trans and non-binary folk everywhere, is don't stand idly by. If you hear something, say something. If you witness something, do something. Uh, Allies need to be activists now. There's no other way of putting it uh, because we need to keep our... I, I always say this is about children, really. <laughs> it's about everyone, but but children um, somehow get the message across more clearly. This is about our children's safety. And, uh, and so yesterday at Queen's Park, as all parties, all parties, I emphasize, stood for a moment of silence and all um, acknowledged that trans violence against trans folk is a reality and raise a flag uh, on Trans Day of Remembrance, something that started back in 1999, has been going ever since. Um, we, we recognize that this is something we hold in common, and I hope, no matter what your political views, no matter where you live in this country of ours, coast to coast to coast, that, that you really um, take this to heart and know that this is one of our core values. That's why we have a Charter of Rights and Freedoms. That's why many of us fought to have trans rights embedded in our human rights um, it codes, and uh, this is exactly why we have human rights codes. Um, they need to be enforced. So if uh, in the absence of enforcement from our authorities, please uh, be that person who stands up for those who need us most. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, um, we're going to go to uh, a song right now um, on our way out, and, uh, and do keep in touch. Radical Reverend, signing off.
Celebrate, we're getting back to basics with a Globetrotter reboot in the otherworldly magic of Reverie, Friday, November 24th. I'll be going back to back alongside my Sonic Soul brother Kudos Loki, and we're real pleased to be featuring the album release of Melo T and Rise Ashen's new Afrofuturism project, Music is a Journey. It would be so lovely to have you join us in the dance. Friday, November 24th. For details and ticks, Go to globetrottermusic.com. Doctor. This show is brought to you by CIUT Studios and made possible thanks to our friends at Metal Supermarkets. Metal Supermarkets is here to provide the solutions you need. Visit them at metalsupermarkets.com. 